0: You know, about 10 years ago or so, my wife's cousin, he bought a lake house there in Lake Kiwi, he lives in Greenville, and he decided that from now on that we would have a family reunion, right? And it's, usually, it's actually pretty good, it's pretty fun, uh, and so we all come, and every every August, my wife's extended family, we have a family reunion, and of course I have to go as well because I'm part of the family, and so <laughs> we we go. And our uh, extended family gathers at this lake house there in Lake Key. We have to, I have to drive through Clemson and all that. It's really tough for me, but I get through it. And, uh, but you know, we've been going there since we had only two young children. In the first year, I think I got a picture of what they looked like the first year. And uh, on there, do we have it? Should. They look, they look just like the word David. Oh, no, there they are. That's Jackson and Abigail. We only had two Wallaces. That was Wallace Family 1.0 right there. And uh, when I had two, and this is the very first year there, and so they had their little life jackets. And then, you know, when you have little children at the lake on boats and down there at the boat dock, they have to be wearing a life jacket at all times. Really, adults should be too. You know, and the kids will get in, and even the adults will get in, and it will swim that little lake area between the, do- the, the dock and the boat and all that. And, and it's just great because you put your life jacket on and you just kind of float, you know, right, and just kind of enjoy your time down there. And when she was about two years old this first year, and she was running around the dock, and there's this, there's this. You know how it is when you get from the boat to the floating dock. There's about a foot of water there in between, and it kind of, you know, the water goes back and forth. And she, the kids are running around, and, and she went and she tried to to go right from the, the boat to the dock, and it kind of expanded, and she fell right in the hole, right in that hole, just poof. And and thankfully, Emily's cousin was right there, so she fell right in the hole, and he just reached down, and picked her right back up by the life jacket. Abigail did. It was kind of scary, but that's what a life jacket's for. She's kind of bobbed, like a little, you know, like, like you're fishing, right? Like a little bobber. But imagine if she wasn't wearing a life jacket. How would you have gotten to her? Because it's in between that little foot there, the dock and boat, and there's no way you could have dove in after her. It's just a little thing. And so, praise the Lord, she had on her, her life jacket. But, but a child falling through a one foot crack would be hard to save. The life jacket enabled her to survive. Today we're going to be looking at a story in the Bible that will show us how we can survive what we're just going to call spiritual attack, spiritual attack. Maybe some of you have felt like you've been under some spiritual attack recently. If not, it is coming. There will be a day we are under spiritual attack. We're going to see today what God can give us to survive and, and how we can. So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 8, as we continue to look at David's life and his Issues he had with King Saul, verse 8. says, And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines, and struck them with a great blow, so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul, and as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand... And David was playing the lyre, and Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Verse 11, Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, that he might kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, told him, if you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window. And he fled away and escaped. Mikael took an image and laid it on the bed, put a pillow of goat's hair at its head and covered it with the clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And When the messengers came in, behold, the image was in the bed with the pillow of goat's hair at its head. Saul said to Mikael, why have you deceived me thus and let my enemy go So that he has escaped. And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go, why should I kill you? Verse 18. Now David fled and escaped. And he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him that all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naoth. And it was told Saul, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing his head over them, The Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Secu, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramon. He too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, is Saul also among the prophets? All right, a lot here in this passage for us to unpack. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us through Christ Jesus, As we look at this interesting story about David fleeing finally from Saul after another attempt on his life, Father, that we would see what you want us to see today in this passage of Scripture, how we can survive through your help, spiritual attack. Father, I pray that my words are yours today, that you take these words on paper, these thoughts, and you make them a sermon. The Word of God is, is heard today. You fill me with your spirit, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show you today three things that we need when facing spiritual attack. Three things that we need when facing spiritual attack. Number one, in the face of spiritual attack, we need a plan of escape. Many times. A plan of escape. It says in verse 8, there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines, and he struck them with a great blow, and they fled before them. Yet again, David and his men are successful in battle, and yet again, Saul is enraged in jealousy. Verse 9, then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul, and he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. This is what would happen. The spear would come back on Saul, and he would want to kill David again. It says he tried to kill him with a spear. Again, this is the second time he had attempted to do this to David as David was playing this harp instrument and was trying to, to ease his mind. And David fled and escaped that night. Now this is about a direct, as a direct spiritual attack as you can have. You don't get any more direct spiritual attack than this. Enclosed place, attempt at murder, an evil spirit coming in on Saul. We can say this is a spiritual attack. And the second time Saul would try this and David leaves. Sometimes when facing a spiritual attack, especially in the form of relational conflict, which this is a relational conflict, maybe the first time we give the person the benefit of the doubt. Well, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they had an off, off night, right? You know, maybe the spear slipped. You know, we them, maybe we're getting the benefit of the doubt. And we know that, that Saul kind of came last week, we saw Saul kind of came to his senses and said that he wasn't gonna try to you know, kill David anymore. But the second time happens again, it's now a pattern. Right? It's something that's happened twice now. And David doesn't wait around to see if it will happen a third time. He flees and he does the right thing and he escapes. Scripture promises that when we are tempted with sin or tempted by sin, God provides an escape. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Isn't this comforting? If you're tempted to sin in a way or if you're tempted in some way to to break God's law... He, the Bible says that there's nothing that you haven't undergone that no, no, no one else hasn't gone, and, and He will not let you be tempted above your abilities. So some of you have a lot of ability. Some of us have more ability than others. We might think that the devil's after us, and he is many times. But when there's sin in our life, many times there's a way of escape. Now David could defend himself. You're thinking, wait a second. Now uh, David's not sinning in this situation. Well, he could have defended himself. He could have taken the king out. He could have killed the king, which would have been sin. David beat a giant. He's a warrior. He took down 200 Philistines, as we learned last week. He might be able to defend himself. And I can imagine him go ahead and taking Saul out. And he very well could have since he was anointed as the next king. But he doesn't. Because that would not be honoring to God. And the Lord literally gives him a way out. He flees. When there's spiritual attack in our lives, many times it's better for us to just leave things be and go about our way than to try to fight back in the power of the flesh. Your spiritual attack may not be a murder scheme, but it could be a lot of other temptations. Caving in to gossip, slandering a person's reputation, some type of immorality, whatever it is, you have a way out of undergoing this spiritual attack. Bible promises us this. In this case, David honored God by fleeing the situation. Secondly, in the face of spiritual attack, we also need friends we can trust. Amen? We need friends. This is why we have the church. We need friends we can trust. Verse 11 Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him that he might kill him in the morning. So in this case, David's spiritual attack didn't leave him. It followed him. Where he went? Followed him to his home. And we see here his wife, Michal, said, if you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow, you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window. He fled away and escaped. If you're in the house and people are watching your house, You don't go out the front door. don't go out the back door. You go out somewhere where they can't see. Now, for David, praise the Lord, he could trust his wife. Amen? Now, this is not just any wife he married, woman he married. This is Saul's daughter, the man trying to kill him, the king trying to kill him, and his wife makes the right decision in this situation. You know, when a man and a woman marry, their allegiance, their primary allegiance is no longer to their parents, it's to each other. They become one flesh. They cleave to one another. And there's a lot of marriage problems that occur from time to time because one or both parties of the marriage will side with the parents over the spouse. And I'm not saying if there's sin or abuse going on like that. I'm just saying in general. But if your spouse is under attack, you should love and support them. And this is what we see happening. Mikhail does the honorable thing to God because she is honoring her marriage by helping David honor God in fleeing this spiritual attack. It says in 13 that she creates this, this image in the bed. It reminds me of that 80s movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he skips school and he puts this mannequin in the bed. And so, this is what I see. He puts this little image, you know, like the head. This is like every child's tried this before, I guess, right? Maybe they skipped school or something. And Saul looks for him in verse 14 and he said, He's sick. And then he says, I don't believe it. Bring me the bed. <laughs> he, he realized he's not sick. I kind of feel that way with my children sometimes. I don't go to school. You're not sick. Come here, right? And with verse 16, when the messengers came in, there was the image in the bed. Pillow of goat's hair. You know, he didn't believe it, but this stall technique allowed David to get out. And then we see Saul, the father, trying to make his daughter feel guilty about it. Look at verse 17. Why have you done this to me? Why, didn't I raise you better? <laughs> didn't I raise you better than this? Why have you deceived me and let my enemy go? He's escaped. Mikhail gives this interesting answer. She said, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? In other words, if they kill me, Mikhail, they'll probably kill you as well. So in this way, he's he's protecting his own wife by leaving the situation. Mikhail's allegiance to the Lord allowed David to escape spiritual attack. There's a story of two men who were out hunting, and they were in the northwest U.S., United States. They're out hunting and all of a sudden one yelled and said, oh my gosh, look at that. And looked up and there was a grizzly bear charging them. And the first started to frantically put on his tennis shoes. and started lacing his tennis shoes up and his friend said, what are you doing? You're not going to be able to outrun a grizzly bear? And the guy lacing his shoes said, I don't have to outrun a grizzly, I just have to outrun you. We don't need friends like that in times of spiritual crises, amen? When a grizzly bear is coming at us in the term of spiritual attack, I don't need my friend to be outrunning me. We need Christian friends, we need Christian spouses who will stick their neck out for us when we need it, especially in times of spiritual attack. And we see this happening with David's wife. We all need friends and spouses like Mikkel if we're going To escape spiritual attack. And finally, number three, in the face of spiritual attack, we need many times, and we get it, divine intervention. We need God to get involved. And he does. Many times. Verse 18. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah, and he told him all that Saul had done to him. Hey David, how are you doing? Well, I'll tell you what, it's not been great. I was sitting in Saul's palace, and he took a spear, and he tried to kill me twice, and then he apologized, said it was all fine, and then he did it again. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little frazzled right now. David knew Samuel was a man of God. He was the last of the prophets. But verse 19, apparently there were some spies. It was told to Saul, behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And then something interesting happens. They, they see this company of the prophets prophesying. Now, the way this is written in the Hebrew, this prophesying is idea that they're, they're worshiping. They're singing praises to God. There might be a little bit of preaching going on. But mainly it's, it's a worship service. And they, and they come and they see Samuel here and these prophets worshiping God. And they're there to get... David, right? That's what they're there for. And when they they, they enter into this worship presence, they're overcome with the Spirit, and they forget what they're supposed to do, and they start worshiping. What an interesting development. They get wrapped up in the worship. They forget what they're to do. The Spirit of God comes into them, and they worship. Not what Saul had planned. See, the Lord started changing their hearts, at least temporarily, temporarily in that moment. Verse 21, when it was told Saul he sent other messengers and then they prophesied. They did the same thing. And then Saul sent messengers again and the third time they prophesied. Did the same thing. Verse 22, then he himself went to Ramah and he came to the great well there and he asked, okay, where is Samuel? Where are David? He's thinking, because nobody can do this correctly. I'm going to have to go out there and do it myself. I sent one group of messengers didn't come back, second group didn't come back, third group didn't come back, I'm just going to have to go do it myself. Verse 23, and he went there, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. Now this is, this is a man that the Spirit of God had left, and the evil spirit had entered, but the Spirit of God then came upon him, and he prophesied as well. In verse 24, it said he stripped off his clothes. He, he, he repented in some way. He, he, he saw his sin. He gets overcome with the Holy Spirit coming into his life. Don't ever underestimate God's role in protecting you from even the, the most clear spiritual attack. And it's not all on us. Amen? It's not all on us to avoid it. There's often... Divine intervention. You may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. See, without the armor you're not gonna be able to survive it. But with the armor you can. Verse twelve for we do not wrestle. Always Satan behind the scenes. So he says, verse thirteen, therefore, tense before. I'll read through it and then we're we're gonna talk about each one. Through the lies of Satan. Helps us see through the lies of the devil. It also helps us speak truth to others. Helps us and and to not deceive others. We confess our sins, we don't hide them. We don't slander others. We speak on our heart. The helmet is protecting our mind, the heart and the brain. And salvation brings righteousness to us. It, it makes us more like Christ when we're reading our scripture, when we're praying. Our heart gets right. Our mind gets right. So when Satan attacks, we can think clearly. We can feel clearly. Don't get wrapped up in our emotions and make bad emotional decisions. We can, we can think. We have access to what God would like us to do. Two related And when we pray and we read Scripture, our heads and our hearts are protected from the spiritual attack. Number four, we put on the shoes of gospel peace. See, when we are in the Word, we're more ready to tell others about Jesus. We're more ready to to go and tell people what Christ has done. Five, the shield of faith. See, faith in Christ enables us to deflect the arrows of the evil one, as he says here in Ephesians. When the attack comes and we're in our words, we read over and over again in God's Word that God is protecting us. He makes us a shield. We can have a shield to protect us from anything that would come and try to hit us. And then finally, six the lone offensive piece of equipment the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. We fight with the Word of God. That's why it's so important for us. We fight with God's Word. When we are wearing the armor, we can withstand the spiritual attack. We can flee. We can have friends to help us. And we know that God is involved, but we can help ourselves a lot by just being in the Word, by praying to Him. So when that day happens, we realize what's going on. Many times, spiritual attacks are like a fog. We don't really understand what's going on, why it's happening. We can't think clearly, but if we're in the Word, we can. There's a story of a ship that ran aground off the coast of Scotland years ago in the 19th century. And there were fishermen there that were trying to get this big sh- the people off the ship across the- a line... And on board and allow the crew to escape, but the wind was too strong and there was, it was storming and windy and everything. And they realized that they put an empty barrel on this line. They could throw it down the line, and the rope, and then each crewman could get in the barrel and they could kind of go on down and escape that way through this barrel through the waves and the wind. So each sailor would be instructed to, to get inside the, the, the barrel and they'd be drawn along the rope. That's how they would get off the, and that's how they would escape. Sinking boat. All this stuff's going on. Very chaotic. Well, the youngest sailor gets put in first. I don't know how he. uh, This is a real story. How he drew the short straw, but he did. He gets put in the barrel first, and a few minutes later, he found himself on the shore and safe. The next man, he had problems getting into the to the barrel. And the tide got real rough and the wind got rough and the ship was swinging around among the rocks and the barrel became entangled and all this kind of thing. And so he just, in his impatience, he just decided he wouldn't use the barrel and he tried to leave the ship by coming down the rope hand over hand and the waves got harder and harder. And next thing you know, he, he loses his grip and he falls into the waters and they never see him again. Well, a few minutes after this, the weather got a little bit better. And then they disentangled the barrel from the issue and situation. And, and then the others were brought safely across. The rest of them got across. And they asked the captain about the lost man. And he said, we tried to persuade him not to attempt such a useless task as it would be impossible for him to reach the shore in that way. But he would, would not listen to us. The captain said, a fine fellow he was, the best man in the crew, but he was lost because he tried to save himself in his own way. Yes, all the rest were saved, but they were saved not by their own doing. Human powers are wholly inadequate for salvation. So when we are trusting in the Lord either to save us from our sins or to save us from spiritual attack, we have to have God help us. We have to put on the armor of God. We must feed on God's Word, and God is the one who saves. We, We put trust in Christ. We put ourselves in Christian community with people we trust, and we hold on to that barrel as we cross, and we trust that Jesus Christ can save Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, thank you so much for what you've given us in Christ Jesus. We thank you that when we're crossing from a shipwreck to the shore, that we don't have to do it on our own. And you're there, giving us the mechanisms that we need. Lord, I pray for each and every one in here today that is undergoing spiritual attack, that you would let them know that's what it is. And you let them know that the attack will be fierce sometimes, but we know that eventually it stops. And Lord, if they're tempted in any way to sin in that attack, that you let them know the way out. Well, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for what he's done for us on the cross, how through his death and his burial and his resurrection, he's purchased salvation. He saved those who would hop in the barrel So we thank you for providing us that escape, Lord. And as we continue to follow you, we're going to need you in the future. So we thank you for always working in our lives for our good and for your glory. Lord, if there's one in here that's never placed their faith in you today, that they would do so today. And that our faith, the believers that are here today, our faith as we leave, our faith will be strengthened today, Father. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.